This is a fun new angle. <laughs> What's yeah that yeah that, that, <laughs> that new thing? that's new. Oh yeah. Just in case you forget where you work. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Gordon in Boston. And this is Build Phase. Your beard's looking healthy. It's getting there, man. I comb it. <laughs> my, my wife's like... My, my wife's... <laughs> my wife's like, why the hell is there a comb in the bathroom? <laughs> it's for my beard. <laughs> Just get like a stare. <laughs> you have to be all super aware about what you eat now. Because like, things will get stuck in your mustache. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> like, I no drink, smoothies. No, smoothies see, that's out. the thing is I drink a smoothie every morning, but I have to do it, like, in complete privacy. Like, <laughs> no one can see me because it's just, like, <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, bagels and cream cheese. That's another one that's really not, <laughs> oh. that's not a good public consumption no, no. food. <laughs> Most everything else is okay. <laughs> It's getting there. Yeah, before it just looked like extended stubble. But yeah. This week, this week it's like it's get yeah it's getting like it's it's measurably off of your face now. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's getting good, man. I'm I'm excited. My wife is actually not horrified by it, which is great because it means that I can like I won't get divorced for trying to grow it. <laughs> but also awful because it's probably it's just weird encouragement to just like not shave it off my plan is to just grow it all year like i'll trim it but just 2014 this is what i'm doing this is my goal for 2014 is grow a ridiculous beard is this all part of your uh, new year's resolution to learn haskell <laughs> yeah they're definitely related <laughs> makes sense to me sure i did put like like the week after i started growing a beard put like 40 pounds on my back squat <laughs> 30 pounds of my push press just really really impressive <laughs> that sounds pretty empirical to me yeah no it's totally cause and effect there's no other way to explain it <laughs> i'm just picturing like like you get most of the way there and then like zoom in on your follicles and they're like then <laughs> like just get that extra 40 pounds yeah works well i'm happy with it it's also good because like i don't have a whole lot of other protection from the elements on my head so that's one way to say it yeah <laughs> i figure if i can't protect the top half i may as well protect the bottom half right sure there was a point <laughs> oh this is so dumb there was a point where like it was brutally brutally cold for like a week straight just like awfully cold like negative negative temps wind awful and so i started like bringing a scarf Right. And just like, I mean, I, I walked to the bus at ungodly hours, right? It's like 630 in the morning when I walked to the bus. So it's pitch black outside, brutally cold. And I'm like hating life for a good half a mile while I walk over to the bus. Uh, and so I was like, oh, man, it must look so sketchy, too, because I'm just like walking down the street and I've just got this scarf wrapped around my face, like exposing as little skin as possible. You know what I mean? Like I had a little slit between my beanie and my scarf for my eyes to look out of. But then I started growing a beard and I was like, well, this is a waste. Like this is what <laughs> this is when beards look awesome is when it's like brutally cold and you're like, 
like snow in your beard and like that dude that dude's hard <laughs> yeah so now i don't wear a scarf look like you just came back from a patrol on hoth right exactly riding, riding your tauntaun back into echo base yeah way to make this nerdy <laughs> check it out ladies see all the snow in my beard <laughs> anyway uh what you been up to code yeah <laughs> good talk should we read this email out it's literally this is literally the best email oh did you see who it's from no i but i was hoping you would read our spam it's a little backstory we, so we, good. we have a you know we have a good spam filter on the build phase email but it does like send us an occasional digest of some of just some of the spam email theory. that we've received. I have a theory that this is all of the spam email that we receive, and that Google's Google Group spam filter just sends you their spam, but they tell you it's spam, which huh. <laughs> which is weird. But so yeah, every now and then we get these like really bad emails, and it's like from Google because all of our because build phase at thoughtbot.com is like run through a Google Group, and but this one today is awesome it's from quote sexy lingerie <laughs> i think i've met that guy at a meetup yeah. and the email is dear sirs glad to get your contact info from internet capital i in internet <laughs> that's how it's spelled yeah we supply underwear and baby wear with good quality and very competitive price hope to be a partner of your company e-catalog will be provided if needed email me or just call me and then no email address and no phone number (laughs) so anyway i'm replying (laughs) because we're definitely interested i think we can get some build phase like (laughs) 90s (laughs) i think it'd be good (laughs) so if you're interested in this sort of thing email us we're going to take a head count if we can get like 20 people who want to sign up for this maybe we'll do a run yeah (laughs) a build phase lingerie makes a great gift you'd be popular (laughs) oh god okay that's so stupid other than spam do we Uh, have real things to talk about or can we just make this one a goof around episode oh there was something that i wanted to talk about but i can't remember um it may end up being a goof around episode anyway i'm pretty hopped up on lunch are you? Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> I had a great burrito. So oh, okay. I'm ready to go. Um, what the hell happened this week? There was something that happened, and I didn't want to talk about that, but I wanted to talk about something tangential to it. Like Apple News related or? It was like. It, something it was, that happened to you? No. <laughs> this isn't it, but I did see a guy going back to goofiness. I did see a guy trying to get into the liquor store who was obviously shit-faced. I tried, saw he was trying to get into a liquor store at 6.30 in the morning. Um, super confused. I've never seen anyone that confused in my life. But he was like, <laughs> like I saw him walking towards me. I was like, that guy is wasted because the bus stop is like next to the liquor store. And then he was like, he just like walked into the sliding door. Like he just assumed he was going to open 6.30 in the morning. Why not? Tried to walk into the store, walked in the sliding door, uh, looked very confused, knocking on the door, like peering in. He kind of like did one of those like two steps back and like looking around to see if anyone else saw this craziness that he was seeing. (laughs) That's dedication. Was the sun coming up? Was it still dark? Yeah. No, the sun was up. The sun, the sun was up. The sun's up now at 630 in the morning, which is nice. You have liquor stores open uh, every day of the week? 
there in Massachusetts? Yeah. It wasn't like that until like recently though. Oh, really? Yeah. It used to be closed on Sundays. I don't know when that changed. And I don't even know if I was here when that changed. Um, it wasn't this, uh, KVO controller from Facebook, was it? Mm-mm. I didn't even look at that. It's cool. It's similar to a pattern I saw in objectivec.io mm-hmm. <clears throat> recently mm-hmm. where you build a wrapper around a single key value observation. Um, and then it's set up so that when that thing gets dialect, it removes itself as an observer. Mm-hmm. So you never have to worry about dangling observers or anything like that. Hmm. So it's just a class method. You just observe this object and the key path, the options in, in my case, in the way I'm using it, it's target selector. Hmm. This Facebook one takes a block, you know, different strokes. Sure. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I hadn't looked at that. Oh, right. The unreachable code thing. I don't know. We could talk about style. Oh, you're talking about the app code mm-hmm. being snarky on Twitter. Well, I mean, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the go to fail bug and, I mean, my Twitter feed was just full of people saying, like, this is why you use braces always, right? Eh. You don't care. I mean, we I use braces now because that's the style guide we agreed on. Mm-hmm. But originally, no, not right. for a single line. But I was under the impression that if it's a single line and you try to put two in there, it's not going to indent properly. I thought if it would you throw an error. Try to put two in there no but like if you put if you insert it above it's not going to change the should we go over what the actual thing is so in is this just a c thing in c you don't need yeah it's got to be a c thing in c if the conditional only has a single line for a branch of a conditional you don't need to use braces to surround that line so you can do if condition you can do a new line break or you can do it on the same line, but you don't need braces around the result of that condition passing. And uh, I, I'd assume most people know, but if you don't know, there was a bug in OS X and iOS to do with SSL where um, the bug was caused by the fact that there was one of these conditionals without a brace and it had uh, two lines. So it had it's we, they were using a go-to statement, which is... You know, whatever. Weird. So what was supposed to happen is that the conditional pass is supposed to the go to fail. But it almost looks like there was like a bad merge or something where go to fail got printed twice. So instead of there only being one line below the conditional, there were two lines below the conditional. But the problem there is that what would happen is if the conditional fails, it wouldn't hit the first go to fail, but the second go to fail isn't encapsulated inside that conditional so it would always hit that go-to statement always if if it like and the first two conditionals just kick out to the same thing so there's no way it would not end up going into this fail portion of the code right so every condition that came after that second go-to fail was effectively unreachable right there's no way to get there you would always hit that second go-to fail it was being interpreted as not being part of the conditional just like a line in the method and would always jump right yeah even though it was indented under the conditional right so a lot of people you know started saying that like well this is why you should always use braces around your single line even if it's just a single line conditional just because stuff like this probably wouldn't happen if you do use braces to be explicit about the scope of that conditional branch 
that make sense? Is that a good way to say it? Yeah. I think it's a better case for testing, though. If this really was a bad merge. Oh, at 110%. If this was, you know, if this had to run through tests, like, you would have caught this immediately. 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 110%. This should have been tested. There was another guy that actually wrote tests for this, and he wrote a failing test case very, very easily (laughs) for this function that would have caught this bug. Like, this is a very stupid bug that has apparently been around for a very long time, two years. It was in iOS 6. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how far back it goes on OS 10. But I think they said, I think I read actually uh, 10.8.2. Wow. Yeah. So it's a very stupid bug that 100% could have been caught by code or caught by unit testing easily. But also the bug. It's not like it was caused by code style decision, but I think that the coding, the style decision made it harder to catch the bug manually, not through testing, but manually. You know what I'm saying? I think so. I mean, I think you could, I'm I'm saying, I think you could skim this and not see anything wrong. Like in a code review, a code review probably should have picked this up, but I can see skimming this file and being like, well, nothing looks immediately out of place when this got posted i like read it and i was like i don't think i fully like i skipped the fact that it was in conditional or something i was just focusing on the two go-to fails next to each other and i was like well that's stupid but i don't see the bug and then i realized that it was a single line conditional and there was no braces and i was like oh okay that's the bug (laughs) um i think most people's argument for the braces is that it it's more explicit and it's harder to cause this kind of issue unintentionally. Like I can see someone that doesn't know the – isn't paying attention, right? And bad codes, bad code, bad developers or bad developers, whatever. But I can see someone, um, for example, like instead of – like you're right. If I went to the end of the first go-to fail and I hit enter, the indentation would take over and it would drop me back to the – first indentation level so i'd have to manually put myself two tabs over but if i go to the end of the conditional hit return it's not going to fix the indentation for the second go-to fail it's only going to put me in the right position for my go-to fail right if you had the braces if i don't have the braces if i don't have the braces and i i, I enter a new line from the conditional as opposed to entering a new line below the go to statement right like if i'm trying to replicate this manually in xcode if i add a new line immediately below the conditional it doesn't change the indentation of the line that was already inside the conditional oh it doesn't drop that back oh i get it so you're assuming okay so assuming this that like a developer did this they're actually dropping from the conditional line to the next line which leaves the existing indentation intact and also puts you in the indentation. I don't yes. think this was caused by a developer. I'm just I'm just this is a super unbelievably contrived example of like how the indentation can lie to you and how Xcode won't actually help you at this point. Because yeah, like if I if I create the new line from the line that's already inside the conditional, it will Xcode will help me and it will drop my indentation level back. But if I create the the new line from the con- the line of the conditional, it will indent me properly, but it won't fix the indentation for the line that was there. Versus if there's braces, 
the whole thing will be indented anyway, and this wouldn't happen. It'd be stupid code, right? Right. I'll argue for braces if it just keeps us from ever having crazy-ass discussions about how <laughs> bugs can happen because the IDE doesn't right. indent properly. Right. So I kind of wonder what Apple's process is for getting code into like a, you know, like a production branch or mm. like what's their workflow? How do they work? The only thing I know is that you're responsible for your own bugs. Sure. So if you check in something and it has a bug, that's on you. Yeah. But beyond that, do they do code review? Do I've, they just yeah. throw everything in there and then let it go to QA? I, I don't know. I, I know that I don't know. But I get the feeling that they're not using extensive testing except for stuff like, you know, they've said core data is tested. To what extent, I don't know. You know what I mean? But they said core data is tested. It's obvious that their SSL stuff isn't tested. <laughs> um, I, I have no idea. I'd hope since they're shipping their own test stuff now, then they're really pushing on XE tests that like new projects are taking advantage of it, at least in some fashion. Like I can kind of see that like if this SSL library has been hanging around for a long time, I can understand it. Like it wasn't tested then. No one's going back to like cover yeah, it with tests now. They must have changed something in the past two years. They touched this file in the last two years. You know, I don't know what was changed. I, I you know, I mean, it, it shouldn't be hard. It's part of the like their open source. Yeah, is this Core Foundation? I don't. Is that where this I code is? I actually don't know, but I know that the source is open. That's how everyone found the bug. <laughs> You could you could do a diff and you could figure out what changed between you know iOS five and iOS six that caused that like why why did they touch this file but someone touched this file and so if they they were obviously touching this file without tests backing whatever they were t- touching so it's not like in the past two years they've had this like you know come to Jesus moment with testing and they were like right oh test all new code cool. Well, my point was like maybe they were in there fixing something, but they didn't have the leeway to say, you know, I should wrap all of this in tests. It's not wrapping. I mean, like it's not wrapping everything in tests, but theoretically, like if you are moving towards a heavily tested code base, right? Like you have legacy code that has no tests and now you're, you're saying, you know what, from now on we're testing everything, you know, then you would write tests for what you change or you'd write tests like i said like the you the test for this specific function i i I have to look it up but it's not like it took the guy he didn't come out with it a week after the bug was found he said hey here's a failing test case that that they could have used to test this function you know that it would have prevented this bug from ever happening um and he came out with that like an hour or two after i first saw this code so it's not like there's a huge time sink here to wrap to to you know test this function, and they were obviously testing it. And you know, I, I, I don't know. It's easy to say that they should have written the test, and it's easy to say that 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 they should be testing this stuff. But well, especially given what the code is, yeah, it seems pretty <laughs> critical. The fact that like software update was vulnerable blows my mind. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like that was the joke in Campfire when when the update came out. It's like, but did it really come out? It's like there's no way to know. <laughs> it's worrying. Yes. I don't think it was intentional sabotage. 
I think it's too no, that's, for that. No, that's stupid. Yeah, no, there's no way that it was intentional. I, I hope not. They could have figured out a clever way, a more clever way to do this. You know what I mean? If, but could they? I mean, it took us two years to figure this out. A year and a half. <laughs> this that's a there. good point. I'd say it is pretty clever. I don't know. Do you know what the? Uh, I got to figure out what the GCC or Clang warning is for that uh, W. Um, uh, I think it's just unreachable. I think it's just unreachable. Dash W unreachable. Yeah, but I need to figure out not the command line flag for, but the the one that you set in Xcode because it's different. Like I could set this on other C flags. Mm. Whatever, I'll figure this out later. I want to add it to lift off if it's not on by default. Have you used um, app code at all? No, I've seen it used. A former a guy that worked at a former client, yeah, was using it extensively. I have a license. I don't want it Cocoa Heads, but I don't think I've ever... I redeemed the license, but I don't think I've launched it since then. I think I just can't see myself moving to a different IDE. I don't see how that's valuable for me, to move to a different IDE from Xcode. If I was going to move away from Xcode, I would move towards Vim, right? I would do the legwork and figure out a way to work in Vim while still being able to have Xcode project files and all that. Like, everything else worked the same, um, which is an insane amount of overhead, and which is why I don't do it. But Well, you'd still need Xcode for Interface Builder. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Oh. But you still need Xcode. I mean, they have a... So they have an interface thing in AppCode, too. Like, they can read and write interface files. Which is crazy because those things are undocumented and <laughs> that sketches me out a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that's that's my point, right? Is that you you already if you're moving to app code and there's people that love app code and I know app code does some really cool stuff. It has some really great integration with like CocoaPods and Kiwi specifically, like really great integration with those. And I know it has a bunch of other like crazy refactoring tools that Xcode doesn't have and. But more than anything, like I, I feel like I want Xcode to get out of my way more and more. You know what I mean? Like, yep. So I can't see myself moving to another thing that may have all these cool features. Like, I, How many times have you used the refactoring tools in Xcode? Um, I use it a lot, but 99% of the time it's renaming. Yeah, that's the only one that I use is rename. Right. Yeah, I've never done like extract. I, I think I used like, extract method once. Oh, I used extract method once and it took me longer to use that than it would have just for me to cut and paste the code into a new method and write it out myself. Yeah. And most of that time is just spent scanning the project. Right. Like you sit there. Right. Does something. Yeah. And there's your refactor. Dumb. The only thing I like about app code I want this in Xcode so bad, is that if I reference a new class in the oh, code, yeah. just import it for yeah. me. And also, mm-hmm. by the same token, like keep a list of all the things that I'm using in this class. So if I remove some code, and that was the last reference to this class, take that import out. Yep. The thing that kills me is constantly scrolling to the top of my file to put imports in. But do you think that the your IDE managing that stuff is a solution, or do you think that removing the need to import stuff is a solution. Oh, well, removing the need to import things is obviously the best solution, but right. I don't see that happening anytime soon. 
But, I mean, if AppCode can do it, I'm sure Xcode could do it too. It just feels like like a lot of the things Xcode and AppCode brag about feel like things that are just making up for deficiencies in the language. <laughs> or if not, you know, strict deficiencies. Like importing, everything needs to, you know, even, you know, Ruby you need to require. Like Rails does crazy magic stuff. But you, if I'm writing a Ruby, like Liftoff has a liftoff.rb where it imports. It uses, it's called require, which is like the same thing as import. And it requires all the different modules that, that I have set up or the different classes. So you still need to do that. But it's done at a single level. So like once I require it, you know, like the internal classes to, to liftoff, for example, when I require them in liftoff RB, when I reference those classes later on, it's just there. It's almost like shoving everything into the prefix, which is a horrible idea and I don't like. But that's only because I know the way the prefix is used, right? And like, it feels weird to, or I know, <laughs> I know the way the prefix is supposed to be used, and I know the way import actually works, where it's actually just copying and pasting code into a header file. And every time I see import UI kit, I see like hundreds of thousands of lines. <laughs> like that's just what I see, right? My brain does that expansion. It's <laughs> uh, a nice trick. Yeah, like <laughs> I knew that, but why did you have to bring that to my attention? Because now I'm going to think about that every time I import something. I'm like, oh, was oh, that modules? It was the it was the video on modules when the guy was like the guy from Apple. <laughs> it's like one of those awesome things that Apple does where they were like, "Hey, we think this would be pretty cool to add to the language," and you know he had this whole presentation on modules and here's this theoretical implementation of modules and why they would be kind of neat. And then like six weeks later, they just added modules to Objective-C. Like they do that with WebKit too, right? Where they're just like – or not WebKit but like uh, WC3 specs or whatever. Where they're just like, hey, we think this would be really neat, which is just code for like, hey, we built this thing in WebKit like six months ago. So <laughs> it's going to be a thing soon. You may want to get on board. Um, but no, it was that modules video. In, the, in that modules video, he did this – like this graph of like here's your class header and it was like you know and then you import this other class header and it's like oh wow that was a lot of lines and then you import coco.h and it like it was like a stack graph kind of a thing so like each each import uh was like full width graph this is going to be really hard to describe over radio but whatever it was like a stack graph so it was like it zoomed out basically and you couldn't see the other two imports just because Coco.h imports all this crap. And what it's doing is the compiler is actually just like copying and pasting that crap into your header. That's how the header system works. And that's why modules – that's one of the things modules are designed to um, not do, which is nice. But um, what else? Where was I? I'm tired. I had coffee and I'm tired. The elevators were stuck, and we had to walk up seven floors. That's not surprising. It's awful. The Boston office is notori- notoriously terrible with their with their elevators. Yeah. How many times have have Thoughtbot employees become trapped in an elevator? Three times in eight months. Hasn't happened for a while. It's always Gabe's fault. It's always Gabe's fault. Hundred percent of the time, it's Gabe's fault. First time, we had twelve people in the elevator. Which is really impressive if you've seen the elevators because you can fit like six people in there 
comfortably. <laughs> Anything over six is like very uncomfortable. So there were 12 people coming back from lunch or getting coffee and they got stuck in the elevator. And then like a few months later, there were nine of us in the elevator and I got stuck that time. We were in there for like 40 minutes. It sucked. And then the last time there were only five people in the elevator and I got stuck again, but it got stuck because when the firemen broke us out the previous time, they broke the door to the elevator. And so it was like slightly ajar. So at one point the elevator was like, nope, a door is open. I'm just stopping here now. <laughs> like, so, but it was funny. Like the fire, the firemen were like comparing stories on when they were here. Like, Oh no, hold on. Don't do that. Last time we were here, we had, we went this way and it worked much better. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I had technique down. Um, Tony broke Xcode. <laughs> he just goes, Hey, uh, so I might've broken Xcode. I'm like, what the hell? What did you do? He was like working on some hacking thing, like with private libraries inside of Xcode. And so he, I don't even know what he, why he wanted to do this, but he was like, I found this tool called image name tool. Uh, and I ran it on a private library inside Xcode. He's like, I'm not really sure what it does, but I ran it on a private library inside Xcode. And I may or may not have used sudo. So, so he did. Yeah, he totally did. Definitely. He goes, uh, so the good news is my tool works. <laughs> the bad news is that none of this other stuff does. He's like, so... I wouldn't do that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, man, there's like literally no way I would run some random tool using sudo on s some random internal library. And so now he's posting is like unable to load platform at path applications, Xcode.app contents, developer platforms, <laughs> iPhone OS dot platform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> oh man. This is to make up for us saying good things about him last week as we got it. <laughs> Did you read that article from uh, the Rap Genius Engineering team? It's called Objective-C isn't what you think it is if you think like a Rubyist. Yeah. I don't remember what I thought of it. Did you I read remember, it? I remember thinking it's a bunch of Ruby engineers figuring out that there's these things called compilers yeah. and that sometimes they help. <laughs> That's what I right. took away from this. And categories, like they described categories really weird. Oh, they said categories are like open class, which is weird. Here's a question for you. Yeah. What is the difference between a Ruby string and a Ruby symbol? S strings are discrete objects. Every, I mean, at a basic level, every string is one object. So quote foo quote does not equal quote foo quote. I don't think like they're not the same object, right? Just like in, just like an objective C, right? If I create two string literals, they are not the same object. They have a different like object ID. Oh, so doing is equal in Ruby is also doing pointer comparison equals equals. I think. Yeah. Um, no, it, it does. It does like value checking, but if I do foo dot object ID, and another time, no, it's giving me a different, so it gives you a different object every time. It actually does give you a different object every time. So if I do foo as a string dot object ID, I get 
one crazy number. And then if I do the exact same thing again, I did get a different object, right? But if I do colon foo, so symbol foo dot object ID, and I do the same thing again, symbol foo dot object ID, it's the exact same object. So every time they're constants, every time you create a symbol, it sticks around. That's why it's used a lot for instead of strings for keys in dictionaries is because you can create a bunch of dictionaries with the same key and it doesn't create different string objects for all of those keys, right? It creates one symbol foo and then uses that same symbol foo as for everything. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think I'm sure that there's other differences. That's the main one. Um, that I know of. Do we have anything else to talk about? No. <laughs> My burrito high is over. <laughs> you want to just wrap it up? I think that's for the best. Yeah. Okay. We could probably just sit here in silence for 10 more minutes if you sure. want, but. Sure. Oh, just okay. Staring. <laughs> just typing loudly. <laughs> Show notes for this episode can be found at podcasts.thoughtbot.com slash buildphase slash 29. And we'd like to hear from you, so email us at buildphase at thoughtbot.com or reach out on app.net or Twitter at buildphase. Uh, and as always, we would like ratings and reviews on iTunes. All right. All right. Later, See man. You.